Welcome to the Red Caps Podcast, a podcast where we dip our caps into the blood of our listeners and we ramble on about old school games. In today's episode, we are going to talk about AC1, the Shady Dragon Inn. As you know, no mortal can outrun a red cap, so I hope you can sit back, listen, and enjoy. Now you might be thinking to yourself, wait a second Kevin, this is cheating, you've already done an episode on the Shady Dragon Inn, and you would be right. Episode 40 of this podcast was talking about the Shady Dragon Inn. And I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to cheat even more because this episode, I'm going to replay the audio from that episode. I'm doing that because I want to do an entire series here on the AC series of books for for Basic and Expert and needed to start at AC1. And all my thoughts from episode 40 are still valid. um, So I thought I would just replay it for you. But please do stay tuned afterwards if you've already heard this episode. Um, And if you've not, listen to it. It's great. But if you already heard episode 40, uh, stay tuned to the end of it. It's going to be a fairly short play. And then uh, we're going to play some voicemails from some folks that called in. Uh, it is OSR October, and this is John Wick and the Shady Dragon Inn from episode 40. Take it away. One of my favorite action movies over the last decade or so has been John Wick. Besides starring certified badass Keanu Reeves and featuring some of the best gunplay you'll see in any movie, it's got really, really interesting world building. Kind of maybe best in class of its genre. And it trusts that its audience is smart enough to put this world together in their head without it all being spoon-fed to them. When you watch the movie, you're immediately taken in with how the world actually works. There's this whole economy around these little gold coins, and they open up so many different doors and services for John Wick. One of them is this very cool hotel called the Continental. You quickly realize that the Continental is where the criminal world can relax, loosen their ties a little bit. Um, but you do know that there are rules there. There is no fighting or killing allowed in the hotel. As they say in the movie, no business may be conducted on continental grounds. And the punishment for breaking this rule is death. It's kind of a sanctuary of sorts. If one needed to hide out from their enemies, the continental is there. If one needs a neutral ground to hold a meeting, the continental is there. However, the, the sanctuary that the continental brings you comes with the cost of these little gold coins. So... What does any of this have to do with D&D? I'm sure you're wondering. Well, I was looking over the basic D&D accessory series of books on DriveThruRPG and just seeing which reprints I may be interested in getting. And as I was flipping through those, I was reminded about AC1, The Shady Dragon Inn. The Shady Dragon Inn was a collection of over 100 NPC or PC pregens that was organized by class, and several of them were then grouped into pre-made parties. If you were a fan of the D&D animated show back in the day, several of those characters are also included in the book. The characters aren't just a collection of stats either. Each had a paragraph or two with some descriptions of their personality, their backstory, their appearance, etc. If you can get your hands on an original copy, there is an excellent fold-out map of the Shady Dragon in itself, which I believe is one of the first non-dungeon fold-out maps that DN- uh, sorry, that TSR ever put out. Here's an example of one of the character backstories. Barnabas Bladecutter, a level two thief. Barnabas wears leather armor, carries a sword, two daggers, one in the boot, a hand axe. Barnabas stands five foot eight, weighs 142 pounds, has brown hair, a thin mustache, wears brown and buff clothing. Barnabas would steal the coins off a dead man's eyes if they were valuable enough. He swiped a constable's purse, cutting it free as the constable rode by, hence his name, Blade Cutter. 
Barnabas always listens to stories of wealth, figuring that stealing is easier than any other job. If something is challenging enough, he may try to try it for the experience, although he likes gold coins better. Anyhow, so you get these little write-ups for each character like this. As I was reading through this, the thought entered my head, but what happens if the Shady uh, Dragon Inn lived in a pocket universe? And that pocket universe was accessible from all the larger cities in your game. Characters could walk up to some discreet door, pay the doorman in the special coin, and be granted access to the inn. Inside, the characters would find various guilds, the Fighters Guild, the Thieves Guild, etc. They would have a place of sanctuary to hide away if they needed to. Maybe they could meet the villain there um, and have a meeting. This could provide some really awesome roleplay opportunities, as well as give the DM an interesting way to communicate some plot points. In order to sorry, in order to continue getting these special coins, uh, they would probably have to take missions from the guilds or something of that nature. Keep them pretty rare so that players aren't just completely ignoring the rest of the world and only ever going to the Shady Dragon, but you know enough that they can get in and experience it and continue the storylines. Some DMs, uh, even with basic D and D, still use the advantage or hero coin rules of later editions or other games. Maybe that could be substituted in for these gold coins. You can also link in things like the concierge from John Wick movies, where he could get almost anything that the client uh, may require. Now, this always came with a price, of course, but if you really need a magical weapon and you can't find it somewhere, maybe this is where you could buy a magical weapon. You could also bring in things like the blood oath markers uh, from John Wick and have that be an option as well for some interesting role play. So, what do you think of the idea of having a pocket dimension in? Are you a fan of John Wick? Uh, is a book of full of pre-gen characters something that you think would be useful to you? Let me know in a voicemail or on Twitter. If you're interested in the reprint of the Shady Dragon Inn, uh, it's available in DriveThruRPG, and I'll leave a link in the episode description where you can find that. Ah, oh, past me was so wise. Okay, um, so that is the episode for AC1. Uh, there will be episodes for all the rest of the accessory um, series of books and pamphlets that came out uh i really enjoyed ac1 and it's something that i do keep around simply for that idea of having a, a quick reference for npcs but also i like it like the idea of the inn itself being this collection of places where you go and get these very particular npcs so hopefully you enjoyed that as well we're gonna go to some voicemails first up is a voicemail from jason jason what do you have to say Hey, how are you doing? This is Jason. Just want to say that I really enjoyed the Wilderness Encounters episode. I thought it was great. I think you brought up some great points. I have enrolled into your newsletter. Um, as far as the some of the articles you have on your blog, very interesting. You know, I've seen the zero to five thing for D6 before, and, and you can actually buy six-sided dice that do that, um, that have a zero in, you know, the place of the six. That, I don't know. I, I kind of like the flat curve. I've seen multiple places that people hate the flat curve and or not curve, I guess, but you know, just the, the flat randomness, 5% of any number coming up on D20. But I kind of like that randomness. I think it depends what you're trying to do. I think in combat, that randomness is nice. I think for skill checks, more of a curve is nice. A more reliable thing is nice in skill check, which is what Kevin Crawford has done with some of his games. You know, if you look at his um, stars, that numbers, that's what he does. 
combat's D20, but skills are, I think, 3D6. So that, that's kind of interesting. You, you also have one about damage and about, you know, making attack rolls more meaningful in games that use a D20 in armor class like D&D. And the idea that whatever you roll above the armor class adds to the damage. And I think that's interesting. I like that, but it would make it super deadly at lower levels. And then you mentioned the idea, well, maybe just that difference does the damage, which a lot of games do. There are a lot of quote-unquote OSR, new OSR, um, whatever title you want to put on these games that do that, that the difference between the attack roll and the hit number is the damage. I think you have to, or you don't have to, but you want to keep weapon choice meaningful. So I would give a base damage to each weapon, and then you add that to it, which can still make it pretty deadly. But uh, but you need to have a, some way, other than just length, I think, you need to have some way to make weapon length matter. So a club and a sword, there there should be some differentiation, other than the club just being better against a skeleton or something, you know, I don't know. But anyway, great job. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to your next one. Thanks, Jason. What he's referring to, if you're not familiar with it, is... Uh, the blog slash newsletter I have started up over on Substack. Uh, it's theredcaps.substack.com. Uh, link to it is easily found on www.theredcaps.net um, or in the show notes or any other places. Um, I've got a couple of different articles up there. Um, it's something I'm trying not to, to do too much because I don't want to have it be a spammy thing. Um, but I've got a few things up there for a 4D5 chart which 45 gives you a 0 to 20 bell curve. Uh, it's really nice. Um, and some ideas of how you, maybe you would use it. And then the better attack rules, um, that's an article I haven't really fully fleshed out. I probably should revise it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was just talking about how to make that initial attack roll more meaningful. So um, you know, maybe doing the damage, um, being the difference between what you rolled and what, and what you uh, had to hit, being probably the most logical way of doing that. And then, like Jason said, to make the weapons differ, probably doing something along the lines of, you know, weapons that do a D4 get to do one base damage. Weapons that do a D6 do two, and so on and so forth the way up, I think would be the easiest way of doing that. But anyhow, J Jason, I'm really glad that you enjoyed the, the blog and the, that Wilderness episode as well. And let's go to a new caller, somebody who I've not heard from before. Who is this that's ringing at our bell? Hi, I'm calling in from the claw claw wren podcast i just listened to your podcast on um paladins i think it may be uh, episode 70 and uh i was thinking on the idea of oaths and the whole divine or uh, paladins without gods things um well i do prefer a traditional paladin that uh serves some kind of deity or divine figure um, I also like the idea that O's themselves, just the words, have some kind of power to them so that characters can swear oaths and just the magic of a world holds them to that oath. And there's power in that um, and caution from uh, swearing oaths. And there's uh, kind of a magical bond with that. So just an idea. Uh, thanks. Claw Claw Rend, thank you very much for the call into the podcast and welcome to the Red Caps podcast. I think uh, this is the first time we've heard from you. Um, I wasn't able to find your podcast when I did a search, but I've dropped you a note on the Audio Dungeon Discord. Uh, so if you can drop me a note with your podcast, I'd love to give it a listen and I'll provide a link to all of uh, our listeners in the show notes. 
Um, as far as your comment, I do agree that I think having the world being aware when people are making promises or oaths and having something that's holding the people to it is a very cool narrative item in there. Um, I still think it needs to be a god. I think it needs to be, it doesn't need to be one that the people making the oaths or the promises are aware exists. Um, it may be a god that even most people don't don't realize exists, but there needs to be something in the background that's, you know, god of conscious is granting the powers and revoking the powers in order for the paladin class to make sense to me at all. Um, so that's why I think there has to be god. It just doesn't need to be one that the paladin or uh, if this isn't a paladin oath, if it's something else, uh, if it's just a person that's making a promise and being held to it magically, uh, there needs to be something that's making sure that you know the bond is going on there, uh, whatever special powers are being granted, if any, and those are being revoked or consequences given if the terms of the deal aren't being held up. So that's that's my thoughts on it there. Um, I do agree, though, that they don't need to be aware of, of uh, what that God is. It's just that there needs to be one. So... Uh, again, thank you for the call-in, and I look forward to, uh, to listening to your podcast. So, folks, that wraps up this episode of the Red Caps Podcast. I hope you enjoyed, you learned something, and that you are eager to come back for more. Call-in number is 385-2-RED-CAP. That's 385-273-3227. If you're not in the U.S., you can head over to anchor.fm slash the Red Caps and leave a voicemail there. www.theredcaps.net has all the links to all the ways to contact me, and I would love to hear from you. Please, if you can, take a few moments and go check out episode 80 of the podcast or visit the blog uh, to get the details on the Child Hero Contest. We've had a couple of entries, but I would like a whole bunch more. Uh, there are other creators also doing amazing work here during OSR October, and you can find links to most of them down in the show notes as well. Thank you ever so much for listening, and remember, never let your caps dry out. Stay safe. Stay, uh, stay safe. Have fun. We'll talk again soon. Take care. <laughs>